Welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. I'm Amanda Poole Walsh, founder of Astrology Hub and your host for our flagship show. We explore the many ways astrology can support you in your relationships, career, health, and personal growth. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. I am so grateful that you have decided to join us here today for part two of a series that we're doing here on the podcast with the incredible, amazing international teacher, someone who has been studying and teaching astrology since 1977, someone that we are so blessed to have here on this platform, astrologer Georgia Stathis. And last week, we went through part one of this series where you are learning based on your sun sign and your rising sign, how you spend money, what you value, how you earn money or how optimally you could earn money. And taking all of this into consideration when thinking about things like how do you actually create a budget or have someone else help you create a budget, which is something we talked about last week. Not everybody is really gifted in creating budgets, right? But then also, how do you create more financial opportunities for yourself? So we're covering it all here. And I'm. And last week was so great. We've received incredible feedback. I took so many notes on that episode alone that we decided to create a little cheat sheet for all of you. So you can either listen and like write your own notes or you can sit back and relax and then go and get our free gift that we created for this little podcast series. It's available for you at astrologyhub.com slash budget. In that, we break down the summary of what Georgia said for each of the sun and rising signs. We also provide a link to the budgeting tool that Georgia has so generously offered to all of us to use uh, to help us in all these efforts. So you can, you can take what Georgia's te- teaching, keep it in mind, download the tool, and then you really use this to create a plan and get more. Um, you said something that was so good last time. You said something about taking responsibility for ourselves, taking responsibility for our financial reality. And when we do that, we can be the most helpful to the people in our lives. Absolutely. If you don't take care of your stuff, you can't help other people. Yes. And I know that all of us have either been there at various times in our yeah. life, are there right now. So hopefully the, the wisdom that George is sharing here today, the insights you can get from your astrology chart, Hopefully you can start to put those pieces together and really, like Georgia said, take responsibility, take ownership so that you can be in a stronger position to help the people in your life and, and really be in your, in your purpose, in your calling. So those are a couple of things. We have that free gift available to you. Also, Georgia is teaching in just a few, about a month from now, she's paired up with Judith Hill and Michael Bryan. And we've created this workshop series for you where you can really look at all these aspects of your life, the most important things, health, wealth, and purpose or fulfillment, and really start to learn how to look at your chart with those things in mind so that you can identify opportunities. You can see where your strengths are. You can see where your potential challenges are. You can really start to decode these things for yourself. And if you look at other people's charts, you can help them as well. Um, in your life. And that workshop is open for enrollment right now. So go to astrologyup.com slash workshop. If you know there's one area of life that you want to focus in, you can just join for that class. 
but it's it's really presented as a series. When you buy the whole series, you get one of the workshops for free. So it's definitely worthwhile if you want to look at all these areas of life to join us for the entire series. And again, it's all available. All the details, everything you need to know is available at astrologyhub.com slash workshop. Okay. okay. So entering into part two. Now we we left the we left Libra, Scorpio, Cap, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces hanging last week. If you're jumping in right now, you can go back to part one. Right. Part one is where we go through Aries and Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, and Virgo. And that's and and in Georgia, as they're listening, should they be listening for their sun and their rising? Do they listen to both to really get cues and for both? Well, it depends on how facile they are with astrology, you know. And I think if you know your rising, that's really the best way to start. But, you know, a lot of people don't know that. Right. And so, you know, but sometimes if you look at your sun sign as a solar chart, it gives you a little extra, little extra information, you know. So you can choose. I mean, that's we all have free will. We just choose what we want. Whatever works, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, listening for your rising sign. And if you don't know your rising, then looking for your sun. And if you do know both, then just letting both things inform the way that you're thinking about it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Very good. All right. So Georgia, let's dive in to okay. that. Or Libra, as you sometimes say. Libra. Well, I had a teacher that used to do that. And I always thought that was so classy. It you is know. classy. Libra. I like Libra. It. Okay, now we're going to see if we can do this. Oh, Georgia, before you dive in, I also just wanted to refer people back to part one, if you missed it, because Georgia also talked about the bigger picture of where we're at astrologically Mm now in 2023, but all the way into 2024, and why these things are so particularly important to be considering right now. So it'd be worthwhile to at least watch the beginning of part one, and then you can come back and check out your signs here. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm going to, what what we did say in the part one was, you know, the question that I think we all have to ask is, what is having enough really about? And that's kind of how, and, and how you change your life financially is to think differently. And then you can grow exponentially. And we also talked about, which is perfect to start with Libra or Libra rising today, because we also talked about, and I think this is a perfect example right here, um, that currently that, you know, the transiting nodes for next another 18 months are in Aries and Libra, and they're squared by Pluto, which is what I call the reckoning planet, the reckoning, wherever that Pluto is hitting in your chart for any of the signs is where you're having to reckon over the next nine to 10 months about how you want to change your life all the way through the end of 24 going into 225. And sometimes it requires guts. Sometimes just pure guts is what you do to make a change. And this is perfect that we're starting with Libra, Libra or Libra rising. Um, I've known a lot of librarizings in my life. I mean, I have so many friends that are librarizings. And one of the things that I have found right across the board is that they are designer personalities. They they have incredible visual ability. I know several that are interior designers or they've um, 
you know, they go in and change closets or stage homes. They're, they're magicians, really. They're transformation magicians. However, the thing that I have seen with them, as good as they are at what they do, and it is interesting because they have Scorpio on the second house, which is ruled by Pluto in modern astrology and more classical, it's Mars. You know, what is Pluto? Pluto is the god of the underworld. Uh, Pluto, Pluto doesn't take any prisoners. Pluto is about taking a dead thing and bringing it back to life, which is so perfect for a decorator or a designer or a home stager or closet stager. I see this a lot with them, that they have this incredible skill. And so, uh, which is very funny looking where the cycle is right now, because here we see already Pluto is finishing in the fourth house. So I would say that right now, a lot of the transformation that you may be doing for yourselves is in your homes or your properties or having to deal with some possible even birth and death issues with your family that requires some sort of financial adjustment either on your part or their part. But the thing that I do see in general about Libra rising people or Libra sun people is as good as they are at changing things and, and, and they're pretty good about, I think they're pretty good about managing their money. They are terrified about really going in and finding out about money. It is a weird thing. They're good at managing what they have but they're terrified, afraid to go and look deeper, to find out more, unless they can be allowed to go very slowly at doing that. Um, why? Because Pluto is the ruler of that second house. And, you know, Pluto can, can give, make you powerful, can make you uh, able to change everything around you. But first you have to pay the, the ferryman to cross over the river to find out what it's about, okay? So there's often a lack of confidence in terms of what they can do, when in fact, everybody wants to help. I mean, you have Taurus on the, on the eighth house, ruled by Venus, which also rules your rising sign. And if you are a Libra or Libra rising, you've met people that want to work with you. You've met people because there's an elegance about you. There's a sociability about you. That, by the way, is currency. Libra rising people with Taurus on the eighth house, that's their currency, is that they not only have perspective, but they also have a sociability that people want to be part of. And so you can attract to you resources with Venus ruling the eighth house. You, Where is Venus placed in your chart? Because for Libra rising and Venus, Venus ruling the eighth house, where is the Venus? Because this is really where you shine. This is where you do your best work. This is where you can make your money. And uh, But first, don't think that you can't make money. And it's that kind of, um, sometimes it's the sense of being vulnerable. Sometimes there's judgments around money too. I mean, that's another thing about Scorpio on the second house. Sometimes there's judgments around money, uh, always false, I would say, because you haven't really gone deep enough to explore it. Um, but your skill is that you can transform things. I mean, a friend can come to you with an old, you know, rusty pitcher and turn it into a coffee table. I mean, that kind, that's the kind of thinking I see with Lee. And that is a skill, especially in the repurposing environment that we're having right now, especially for homes and properties. That's a skill and that can bring you money 
And that can help you budget when you're getting more money coming in. You can budget for some of the things you want, help you transform your own environment. Scorpio or Scorpio risings. Okay. Uh, uh, like Taurus, very similar to Taurus, although they're not as open, I don't think. They're a little bit more close to the best. Uh, they have Jupiter ruling the second house. So there's there's always the capability of making money, even when they're terrified that they're not making any money because it's a Jupiter ruled second house. And the eighth house is Gemini, which is ruled by Mercury, which does, I've seen a lot of Scorpio risings are very mercurial in the kinds of work they do. They're problem, they make their money by problem solving. That's how they bring their income in. But if you look at the second house, they love to travel. I mean, I see a lot of Scorpio Risings who like to travel, who like to do a lot of reading, travel in their mind or travel physically. Uh, Where's Jupiter placed in the horoscope? Because that's the area of the life where you will find um, resources, where you will find help, find people that will help you with your resources. And you, even when you think, even when you think, nothing is coming in, you have plenty, which, you know, that becomes a problem too, because sometimes, because sometimes you can be making a lot of money with Scorpio rising and you spend a lot and maybe don't think you have to budget because you always have it coming in, but then you have something coming along like Saturn that comes along or a heavier planet like Neptune or Pluto hitting the ruler Jupiter. Well, that's when you have to take a pause and really stop and think, okay, maybe now is the time to think about budgets. And I will say, uh, you know, when we look at horoscopes, you know, this is so basic that I'm doing. This is so minuscule compared to the bigger picture. But let's just look in general at what's moving in the sky. Saturn is in Pisces for the next two and a half years. Last time it was here, 93, 94, 95. For Scorpio risings, for Taurus risings, Saturn is squaring their second and eighth house axis. So maybe you've had a lot of income coming in. Maybe you, especially Scorpio rising, maybe it's pretty easy to find the money or get it or get people to support you. But now Saturn is squaring this axis, which is, hmm, I need to think about a plan here for the next three years. And that's what Saturn does. And it doesn't hurt you. It just says, oh, let's let's take a minute. Let's wait. Let's look at this. Um, maybe I'd rather not do a lot of short trips and one big, giant, wonderful pleasure trip. That's a Saturn squaring the second and eighth house, especially if Jupiter's the ruler of the second. Maybe I really want to go get an education. Maybe I want to learn something new and it's going to cost some money. And money's been coming in pretty freely. But now in order to do that, maybe I need to think. How can I make that happen in my budget? And so you, you put that in your budget. I think it's also uh, when you're budgeting, especially Scorpio rising, you have to be able to have enough freedom in your day-to-day life to make a budget work for you. If you don't have freedom, because Scorpio risings don't like to be controlled. They don't like anybody telling them what to do. They're not always very forthcoming about what's really bothering them because they're Scorpio risings, you know, they're, they're holding themselves close to their vests. So they have to have a certain level of freedom in their day-to-day budget where they have time to explore, time to walk, time to spend with their dogs or their cats or whatever. They have to have freedom. And you can do that when you're doing a budget and maybe not work seven days a week or five days a week, maybe work a long three or four hour, four day, three or four days, and then have three days off. That would really work with a budget for Scorpio rising people. And 
um, with Gemini on the eighth house and Mercury ruling, remember we talked about, I'm going to say it again. Mercury rules Gemini and Mercury rules Virgo. Mercury Gemini is air. It's a problem solving quality. Mercury in Virgo is spreadsheet quality details. So eighth house, that's how you bring your money in. Problem solving, consulting. You know, Sagittarius is consulting. Problem solving is the eighth house. Why not do a job that's a month job that you work a lot, you problem solve a lot, and then you take a month off. That's a perfect way to work with your money and with budgeting. It's another way to work if you can. And nowadays, I think since the pandemic, I think more and more people can do that if they, if they think smart. And also, if you can share your vision with other people and help them problem, you can share visions to help them solve their problems. And that brings up, that brings in income. Okay, Sag or Sag Rising. Now, this is, this is, this is an interesting, um, one thing about Sag Rising, it's ruled by Jupiter. They're pretty fortunate. I mean, they're lucky. Let's just say that. But they have Saturn ruling their second house. I've seen this, and this is going to sound awful, but I've seen Sag Risings who are a little tight with their money. When I say tight, it's not necessarily they're good at budgeting, but they can be a little cheap, you know? And if you don't have the money coming in, I get it, right? But there's a, often a fear uh, or a judgment around um, access to funds. And sometimes they're conditional when they deal with their money. Now, they could be very good at managing their money. But the thing about Capricorn on the second house, the one thing people never talk about with Capricorn or Saturn. Yeah, you know, it's it can be difficult. It can make you focus. It can make you be good in a survival mode. But they like the best of the best of the best. In other words, this is a terrible example, but the Rolls-Royce versus the Datsun. They're the high-end. They like to spend on a high-end trip, a high-end purse, a high-end this, a high-end that. And that might be why sometimes they're a little tight with their money. But they always seem to have enough for that high-end stuff, if you will. Um, also, they're very good at building things. They're good at building, putting together, organizing, building, coming up with how to do things in a more efficient sort of way, management. That's a Capricorn Saturn. And managing your finances. Um, I think is if you're going to budget, you need to manage your finances so that you allow these high-end things. I will say that I think that's changed a lot in the last... Um, since 2008, because Pluto has been going through Capricorn since 2008, it's trying to finish. So the high-end desires may not be as great as they were at the beginning of the Pluto and Capricorn cycle, and it's finishing, and you can see that here. So that maybe the next great adventure might be, okay, take some of those ideas I've had, you know, organizational ideas or those uh, management ideas I've had, and make them available for uh, information. Because information is going to be the new currency. We have ca cancer on the eighth house, ruled by the moon. So, you know, they're pretty good at taking care of their security. They can be, um, you have to eat before they invest. I, again, I always say, if you have cancer someplace in the chart, always eat something before you do something in that chart because you're going to be more malleable and more approachable. Uh, it can be that the, the uh, income, is fluctuating sometimes. The, the savings, you know, like if you've 
put your money into CDs in the past. We could only get 2%. Now we're getting 5.5.25% now, which is, by the way, a great place for to put money if you have it until some of these cycles play out in the next two or three years. And so, um, you know, it's a technique in, in uh, finance that I think people know, what they call stepladder CDs. In other words, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, so that you're getting, you get a higher return. I think they're paying a five and a quarter percent right now. So you could do like a one year, you could do a nine months so that you have money coming out sooner when you need it, because that could be quite possible right now since Saturn is hitting all the Sagittarius stuff in this chart, the fourth house, which is the home, the property, the seventh partnerships, the 10th career, and the ascendant, the physical body. So step laddering your CDs um, is probably a good idea right now, but maybe learn to be a little bit more generous. I think that's that'll help with the budget flow as well, because I think sometimes Sagittarius risings I not always, um, it's a fire sign. It wants to have an adventure, wants to climb mountains, but not always aware of the needs of other people. And if you do that, you can actually make more money. Capricorn or Capricorn risings. Well, you know, the first thing I always say about anybody who's got a lot of Saturn in their chart or Capricorn is they're late bloomers. They're just late bloomers. They start out old and they're, they were, you know, we were talking about this before one of the uh, podcasts we did that, you know, sometimes when you're younger, people think that you're capable at the age of seven or 10 to take care of things when you're not, but you take it on because you're a Capricorn or a Capricorn rising and, and you have a Capricorn crust. You develop this crust, you know, the concrete crust that over time shatters. And as you get older, you get younger. So the great thing about that is that you have Aquarius on your second house, which tells me if you can shatter the crust, you have an unlimited amount of opportunity to do all kinds of things because Aquarius on the second house is public information. This is what your skill is, is public information, waking people up because Uranus wakes people up, working on commission because Uranus rules the second house. And also Saturn is also the ruler in the, in the classical sense, but I like Uranus for the ruler of Aquarius. Uh, finances can be somewhat uh, in and out. Like sometimes you get a big chunk of money coming in and a big chunk of money going out, which some people don't like working on commissions because of that. But the truth of the matter is Aquarius is the sign of the big dealers, the franchises, uh, the multi-level marketing, the uh, multi-platform presentations. When you think bigger, also wholesale versus retail, this is, um, I said this in an earlier, earlier podcast, you can work with people for one hour or you can work with a hundred people in one hour, same amount of time, different return. And Aquarius is Uranus outside the box of the visible field. Very progressive in their thinking. So, you know, you could make money just waking people up with ideas. But I would say that your income may be up and down, up and down. But that doesn't mean you don't make enough money. You could actually make a lot more money with that. And you can work on special projects that way. That'll give you more time to get away and think. Uh, and there's Leo on the, on the eighth house ruled by the sun. Where is the sun placed in the chart? The sun, Leo, 
And the natural zodiac is the ruler of the fifth house, which is speculative ventures. So they do take chances. Capricorn risings, as reserved as they are, do take chances on speculative ventures. And they are pretty good at it because they're ruled by Saturn. Both the rising is ruled by Saturn. And in the classical world, Saturn rules Aquarius. And so, as, especially as they get older and they're not as fearful because fear sometimes is a non-motivating factor. They can make very calculate, very positive calculated risks on speculative ventures. And whatever they do, it should be fun. That's Leo on the eighth house. It should be fun and people should feel like they're engaging with you in a fun way that they're getting something that opens them up. And this is going to be a real interesting time for people of Capricorn rising because here's Aquarius sitting with Pluto sitting right on the doorway, banging on the door of the second house. And Pluto is power and transformative power. And the power is in the information. We're in the information age. And these people with Capricorn risings right now or Capricorns are ripe for this. They're done with the last, you know, Pluto and Capricorn era. They're ready to move on. And so this is, I, I, it's exciting to be a Capricorn right now or a Capricorn rising. Okay. And here's Aquarius or Aquarius rising. Um, so this is the imagination person. You know, Aquarius rising people, first of all, second house is Pisces ruled by Neptune and Jupiter. Jupiter in the uh, traditional, classical, and Neptune in the modern, both. I use both. Jupiter and Neptune is high imagination, uh, high levels of intuition. Boy, you get an idea coming in. That's that whole thing. Call somebody immediately if you get the idea coming in and follow through. Problems sometimes with Pisces on the second house for various risings is they get too tired and they don't always follow through. Um, Budgeting is a challenge for them because they can sometimes be in the ethers, you know? And so I think these are the people that really do need to get the help with a budget, uh, especially with Virgo on the eighth house. That's the support you receive from other people. And interesting, um, the seventh house is the house of your partners, legal partnerships, marriage partnerships, business partnerships. The eighth house is the second from the seventh, which means that your partner's may actually have a much more precise way of looking at money management than you may. But what your skill, what your skill is, is to see, I mean, Neptune rules the third eye, to see something that you, inspires you. You have to be inspired if you're going to spend money on something, and you have to be inspired if you're going to do something. And if you're not inspired, you don't do anything. But if you are inspired, I would say get somebody to help you, to help you take that inspiration and break it down piece by piece by piece by piece. And I think with Aquarius rising people, depending, like if you're a zero Aquarius, it's going to be a very different experience than it's if you're a later Aquarius, because Pluto is sitting right at the doorway of that ascendant. And one of the things, uh, and I had been talking to Amanda about this earlier, is I did a, a personal research project years ago when I was seeing a lot of clients to see what would happen when Pluto went from their 12th to their first house, you know, and Pluto's moved through several signs in the last, you know, 30, 40 years because it's moving pretty quickly right now. And they said the same thing, even though they said it in different ways that when Pluto was in the 12th house side, 
it was like they were in a room kind of looking around trying to find a switch and it was dark. But when Pluto went over the ascendant, suddenly the light came on. They go, oh my God, that's what I want to do. And this is especially important with various rising people because Pluto rules your 10th house of career and Pluto is trying to come out of the birth canal here. And so the ideas are percolating because in the Vedic system, the 12th house is the house of conception of ideas. And here we have Pisces on the second house, which has all kinds of ideas. So how do you make those ideas a reality? You work with somebody who knows how to do that. You get a coach. And then we have Pisces or Pisces rising people. Now, Pisces rising is an odd, um, it's, it's, it's out of all the signs of the Zodiac, I would say it's the least connected to the body. And those of you out there who have a lot of Pisces or Pisces rising know exactly what I'm talking about. So what's very important in terms of your ability to save money, to budget money, this is going to sound nuts, but you have to exercise. You have to walk. You have to swim. You, you have to get, because here's Aries on the second house ruled by Mars. Mars rules the muscles. Uh, if you don't exercise, you get kind of in this depressed funk. And then you just implode and you spend money impulsively uh, without thinking. But if you physically get yourself out to exercise, it will help you, your brain and your mind work together because you want to get back in your body. If you're not in your body, you can't manage money. Um, and that's important. And Mars, but they can be very, very, Pisces rising people can be very strategic when they put their mind to it, if they're doing the right things. Uh, if when they're younger, they may be very impulsive of how they spend their money. When they're older, they go, okay, if I do this, this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And I will tell you, there was a research thing done by Jeannie Long and Robert Krauss. Jeannie Long was a uh, very well-known business astrologer in the seventies and the eighties who wrote the galactic trader software. She was very good with commodities. Her husband, who passed away too early, was Robert Krauss. He was a hypnotherapist. And I remember sitting at a conference in 1992 in Washington, D.C., astrologers, a UAC conference, 100 people. And they had done a lot of research. And uh, they asked the room of qualified astrologers, who do you, which sign do you think we found has the best capacity to amass wealth? And of course, everybody's answering Taurus and Capricorn and, you know, and they never said Pisces. And they said, we found in our research, it was people who had strong Pisces energy in the chart or strong Neptune. And everybody went, whoa, that's because what you believe is what you see. Because the imagination is very powerful with Pisces or Pisces rising people. And if you are inspired and if you are on the straight and narrow in terms of I mean, you don't have to be. You could be a con artist, too. I mean, con artists make a lot of money. But we're not talking negative. We're talking positive. But you learn to be strategic. And once you get the vision, you act on the vision. And you get people to give you the tools to act on the vision. That's a Mars rule second house. And you stay with the program. And you don't back off. Um, and you stop spending impulsively. If you keep spending impulsively, you can't do a budget. Libra on the eighth house ruled by Venus. And when you have a lot of desires, a lot of, you want to be comfortable. Okay. But you have to weigh, okay, what's my more immediate satisfaction 
what's going to be versus my long-term satisfaction. I think, I think this is a really good time for people who have Pisces or Pisces rising because you do have the North Node traveling through Aries for 18 months, which is about let's look at our finances and how we budget in a new, more strategic way. And as the South Node is going through the eighth house, let's look at how we've been either investing, which is not working for us, or some of the jobs we've been doing or careers we've been doing that aren't working for us that we need to let go of so we can let some new things come in that are accessing the more creative side of us, the more Venusian side of us. And you know, Libra and Taurus are ruled by Venus. Venus rules the throat chakra. So you could also make your living using your throat, speaking. Anybody who has, or even Gemini on the eighth house as well, Libra and Taurus is ruled by Venus. You can make your money by speaking. And so this is another thing to think about. You know, the biggest fear in the world is speaking in front of a group. Maybe you have a gift and you just need to unleash that gift. So, you know, this is all very, you know, Mars in the Pisces rising. Where's Mars in the chart? Remember Mars is in your chart for Pisces rising is where you spend your money, but where you also go after to get that money. And, what, and the people that you hang out with in that area of the chart to get the money, who want to work with you, who see you as being a strategist to help them make their money. And the eighth house, Venus, where's that in your chart? That's where you go to get some support in teaching you how to save your money. Um, and I think saving is very easy to do right now because the rates are so much better for people. This is the time in which to do it. So with that said, this is something I wanted to share at the end. Um, this is Robert Kiyosaki uh, wrote a book, Rich Dad, Poor, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he said this, and I think it's just perfect. It says, broke is a temporary condition. Poor is different. Poor is a state of mind. You can be broke and still be rich in spirit, rich in ambition, rich in courage, and rich in determination. And I think, I think that's where it goes. So, uh, and this is the uh, Alexandria I based project. You know, if you want to learn more about a specific topic in astrology, just go to alexandriaibase.org and pop in the subject you want to find. It will tell you where those books are to find your subject, even in your own library. So thanks. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. That was so helpful. I, I mean, you, you went above and beyond what we were originally thinking, and it's just incredible. I mean, I feel like people could walk away from this and literally have new ideas, new strategies, new ways of both earning income and saving their money. So thank you for that. And also gave permission. I mean, I know as an Aquarius rising, when you said uh, budgeting is a challenge and you need to ask for help, I was like, yeah, that's absolutely true. So you have a good imagination. I definitely got that imagination. That was true. And the budgeting part, it's always like, I am like, you like, have to do that piece. So thank you. It's just kind of like permission granted. Like I, I will never be great at that. So I need to engage other people in helping me because I, I understand it's important. It's not that I don't understand that. It's just that you get that. And you know, your marketable skill is your imagination. That's the thing about anybody's second house that also shows your marketable skills. The hidden skills and you have not bothered to excavate. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Well, Georgia, I am so looking forward to this opportunity to give our audience, our community, even more opportunities to learn from you. So can you tell us a little bit about 
what you're going to be teaching in our upcoming workshop series? Yes. Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to actually go through, you know, first of all, the concept of wealth, of what that is, because everybody has a different version of what that is. Mm-hmm. Not everybody thinks money is having a lot of money. Wealth is a lot of money. Actually, people have a lot of different concepts. The second thing we're going to talk about is uh, where fear gets in the way of possibility. Mm. You know, the Saturn condition in the horoscope where we limit our thinking because we either are terrified. You know, wherever Saturn is in the horoscope or Capricorn is, is sometimes where we're terrified or where we limit ourselves. And it may not be you. It may be some programming from childhood. So we'll look at the condition of the loan and the family values, because that's has a lot to do with, you know, how you are in the world. We're going to look at opportunity moments that show up. You know, uh, sometimes when you're in the midst of chaos, that's because you're not listening to what you need to change. And then things blow up. So you do change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, you know, great. I think people are like, um, like radios and they're getting signals. And they get these signals and they keep getting and things keep happening and they keep happening and they ignore the signals and then life blows up in their face and they feel like they have no control when in fact the signals are a gift, you know, and that's part of Uranian energy, you know, is where is that in the horoscope? Where is that moving to your chart? Wake up, think outside the box, think innovatively. And we'll be talking about the new innovation cycle that starts for everybody in different ways in spring of 24. We're ending an old innovation cycle. That's why everybody's kind of, what am I doing with my life right now? I don't want to do it the way I did it before. Um, We're going to talk about looking at the stuff you don't want to look at and how you're going to hang on a meat hook until you look at it. Can't negotiate deals when you have to face something. And, um, And we're going to talk about reasonable and unreasonable requests, which is a real fun thing to do and works. It's a, it's a little game that works. So those are some of the things we're going to talk about. Amazing. So this is going to be about a two-hour workshop with Georgia plus a live Q&A. You can either opt in for just Georgia's workshop if this is the only part of the series that you want to participate in, or you can opt in for the whole workshop series. So this is taught by Georgia Stathis, Judith Hill, and Michael Bryan, three incredible teachers. Covering three different areas of life. So George is going to be covering this idea of wealth in our lives. Judith Hill is going to be covering health. So how to actually look at the chart, understand your chart from a health perspective and where the opportunities are, where the challenges are, how to avoid getting into certain circumstances with your health. Um, And then Michael Bryan will be talking about fulfillment and teaching you how to look at your chart to find where you are going to be most fulfilled in your life. So all these three together, you can you can opt in for the whole series and get one of the workshops for free, which is kind of amazing. Or if you're just like, nope, I want Georgia. I know I only want Georgia. Then you can just opt in for Georgia's workshop. So that is available and open for registration right now. Go to astrologyhub.com slash workshop. If you are catching this later in the future, you can still join the workshop. It will be the recording, but you can still get access to all this incredible content. Um, We will put all the links that we've discussed here today in the show notes and in the description. Get that uh, free gift that we're offering as a part of Georgia's podcast episodes here 
um, and then also join the workshop. And um, the other thing I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about here in Georgia is the library that you just referred to at the end of your presentation. We are doing a pay it forward opportunity for anyone who joins the workshop series. You'll have an opportunity to donate to Georgia's nonprofit online library. So can you tell us a little bit about yes. this project that I know is very much like a passion project for you? A passion project. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I we've been, we've been a we are a five hundred one c three nonprofit educational foundation called Alexandria Ibase dot org. We've been official since about two thousand fifteen, but we started it probably about four years before that because what was happening, um, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and over time, astrologers pass away, and people would call me for years, what to do with my mother's books my dad's books, you know, and I would, you know, go to the real libraries, the libraries, and they wouldn't take them. The only way they would take these collections, some of which you will never see again, would be in a Friends of the Library sale piecemeal. I would send them to Europe to some of the schools who were starting. I would send them to Australia. I'd send them to the local groups, but it got to be more and more. So about four, about four years before 2015, I brought it up at a, an NCGR meeting on the West Coast what are we going to do about this? And Christine Skinner, who's also a very good friend of mine, financial astrologer, she um, is on the board of the Urania Trust. She said, we got to go have coffee, which we did. And so we started putting this idea together of putting an online catalog of where these collections are. We've stumbled a lot. I'm the primary funding person for this, but also Urania Trust has helped us. We've had some private donors. We have four librarians cataloging on staff, two project managers, and it's set up now. When you go into the site, you can go into the search the catalog and you can put in solar arcs in the keyword there. And all what we've done so far, all of the catalog books with solar arcs in their book are listed. So you can go into your own library or you can find it online or you can find it in somebody else's library. And sometimes you can find these things at the Internet Archives where you can borrow it for an hour for free. You can put the authors, the titles, the topics, the publishers, and we're working like little mice, you know, day and night trying to get stuff up there. We've got about 16,000 things listed at this juncture. But I mean, we need funding because it's free right now. We are going to have uh, very soon Michael Erlewine, who started the Matrix software, is giving us 2,228 digitized interviews material. We are transcribing the Marian March materials, but we need help because we pay our people. It's not free. And uh, if you can, if you have an organization that wants to help us, I mean, everything that I do the last two years goes to, a portion of it goes to the foundation. And we're going to go as long as we can go, and then we'll not go anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever help we can get, well, this send it on over. The way I see it is this is a massive gift that you are providing to the astrological community, especially to any of those, any of you out there who are students who are, you know, you're serious about your studies. You, you want to uncover the treasures that if we don't preserve, like as a community, they will go away. Like it's they almost... Will. A library getting burned down with all of the 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 get the books that people have written for centuries. So 
I, I'm so grateful that you're doing what you're doing, Georgian. And if any of you are inspired to contribute to the project, when you join the fall workshop, you will have the opportunity to pay it forward, meaning there will be a little box at the bottom. You could put $5 in, you could put $20 in, you could put $5,000 in, you know, whatever it is that you feel inspired to and, and that you're capable of providing at this point. Yes, if you're capable. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, but we're just, we're trying to like crowdfund and crowdsource some uh, support for the project because it really is a valuable asset for all of us that we get, we'll get to continue learning from for years and years to come. So if you're inspired to help preserve some of these, these gifts that these, these um, books and interviews and all these things that otherwise would, would disappear, please consider a joining the workshop series and then be uh, paying it forward. And all of that money and pay it forward will go right to the library. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Because we, we, we've got some great people. They've been there, for, you know, like little elves, like so many hours a month, just putting this stuff aside. And, um, if we can keep doing this, the Alexandria library was burned in Egypt. That's why it's called the Alexandria I-Base project. Yes. And uh, we also have a Schwab account for people who want to donate stocks. Yeah. We have that available as well. Um, so, you know, whatever you can do, tell your friends, tell your organizations, thank you, Astrology Hub, very much for promoting it. And it is in, it is working with other libraries. I mean, we are telling you where to go find these. Yeah. We're not an online library, but we're a locator. And right. we do have a lot of stuff online, though. And we have a special collections. I need to mention that, too, where we're archiving and scanning very old, out-of-print Mercury Hours, people who have been around a long time. And then we've cataloged for each each edition what's in there. And you see people who are very well known now doing these little conversations when they were first starting out. It's really cool. Uh, it's really great. cool stuff. I love it. It sounds like a treasure trove. Yeah, it it just, thank you for doing it. And, and hopefully we can at least help to support the continued efforts. So thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning into this part one and part two of this series that we've just done with Georgia. Please check out the workshop series that's coming up in September. And just thanks to all of you so much for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life. Can't wait to catch you on the next episode. Take care, everyone. This podcast is presented by Astrology Hub. You can learn more and find all of our shows at astrologyhub.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and help more people find the wisdom of astrology. Thank you for taking the time to do this now. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life.